are your gloves golden? Because the Guardians are. We're into the gold gloves that were handed out. A lot of history made today for the Cleveland Guardians. We're also going to talk about the greatness of Jose Ramirez and how he slots in Cleveland Guardians history now and how we project after the end of this season on today's Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Guardians. I want to first take a moment and say thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is that you get podcasts. Uh, for those who don't know me, I am Jeff Ellis. I am one of the co-hosts here of Lockdown Guardians, as I have been since the beginning of this show. Uh, before that, I was a lead draft and prospect analyst at Scout in 24-7, and then many a Cleveland sports blog. blog. I can't say that word today. Justin, how do they know you? Yes, I am Justin Ladd. I came aboard Lockdown Guardians with Jeff about a month ago. I'm uh, currently the managing editor of Guardians Baseball Insider. I have I still freelance at the News Herald and the Morning Journal in the Cleveland suburb areas, east and west side, and have been at uh, ESPN Sweet Spot for Cleveland in the past and Burning River Baseball and Fan Sided and other various Cleveland baseball blogs. I want to take this moment here and say we're at 821 subscribers on YouTube. It is very, very big for us if you can help us get to that thousand. So if you have not, uh, if you got multiple accounts, please go and subscribe. We would very much appreciate that. I mean, that's what, 179 to go? 179, so that's nothing. I mean, I don't know. Before the end of the year. You know, our it should be easy. Our combined followers, I'm... Uh, well, I don't want to come across too braggy. I, it's not letting me see yours. We have to be between the two of us over 5,000 followers on Twitter. Um, so that should make it relatively easy to get there. But let's let's start with these, these gloves that are gold, not golden. I know hopefully someone didn't turn it off when I said our gloves, gloves are golden. I know that is a faux pas for some when you call them the uh, the golden gloves because that's the boxing thing. It's you know, these are oh, gold, yeah. gold gloves. Uh, I think I used to love like getting those baseball previews. I mean, maybe it looks like I'm not doing that here, but the, like you get the magazines, like the Athlon and everything else. And I think it was like a sports illustrated one. And I just remember it was, like Rick Riley ranting about that uh, in one of them. And it stuck with me uh, like that exact rant. So I, I would still read those to this day. Uh, that's, that was like, I don't know. I read those cover to cover. I really appreciate Did anyone else have a long abiding love of those sports guides? I'm going to throw that out there as the random question of the day on the show. Comment in the comments below. But should I just get into the history of it? I, I pulled up, uh, you know, Bart Swain is media relations. Uh, great dude. And his email has like all the high points. So I'm just going to credit Bart uh, because, again, Good dude. Fantastic information. It is the first time an American League Cub has garnered four gold gloves since 2003 and just the second time in the last 47 years. Uh, this is the eighth team to net four uh, gold glove awards in the same season. And I, I feel like I just contradicted myself, but uh, Cleveland's previous club record was three, which came in 2000 with Omar Travis and Roberto Alomar. The other interesting thing is 
It was the first time for all of these players. It's the first time in club history four Guardians earned awards each for the first time. Uh, Bieber, it's the first pitcher to ever win it for Cleveland. Jimenez, he is just the third second baseman. Good Justin, do you know the other baseman. two? I do. It's uh, Cesar Hernandez in 2020 and then Robbie Almar in 2000. I feel like Cesar Hernandez is going to be that one in like 15 years everyone forgets. Ronnie Belliard Great got Great trivia question. Um, yeah. yeah. Ronnie Belliard should have won one in there, I feel like. I'm just going to I'm going to continue to stand for Ronnie Belliard on this podcast. Yes, we uh, do. For now until the end of time. Stephen Kwan, it's just ridiculous to look at those numbers. As good as he was as a hitter, I, I just, I'm going to say it now. He might be at the top of my list for extension. Like, it is year one of his contract. He is, he was a college player. I don't know his exact age, but he's got to be mid-20s already, right? Like, you have a good chance to get that done. Yeah, yeah he's 25. You know, he's not going to hit free agency until his early 30s, so like go get that done go get like a 10-year contract like that is the guy that feels like i would be fine giving an eight-year contract to stephen kwan can i just state that here and now like he's yeah now yeah and with him being in the first year of it this is your best like i would give him the michael harris contract i i have stated that before and i'll state it again i would give him the michael harris contract in a heartbeat uh he's so good it's just power is the only thing he's missing from his game he's a four-tool player uh and he's like you know, the best defensive left fielder in baseball this past year on top of being one of the best on base forces in baseball. Uh, and let's see, he is the, the last rookie to win a gold glove was Luis Robert in 2020. And he and straw are the first outfielders to net the award since Grady Sizemore. And he's just the second left fielder. I don't know if you saw the email, do you know who the other left fielder to win the award was back in 1959? A player that started in Cleveland system was traded to the Chicago White Sox and then acquired back. Uh, it's it's one of those great, and then traded back to the White Sox, and then this, this is where I get into the weeds because I'm like, and then in that deal where they traded him back to the White Sox, they got Norm Cash, who they proceeded to trade give away to the Tigers for um, Derek Dietrich's grandfather. Just kind of fun loops and stuff. It was Minnie Minoso, so is the the player, yeah, the other, only other left fielder. In franchise history uh yeah that the unraveling of that trade is just kind of one of my fan, favorite random facts that, like they they almost they they lost the first deal they were okay on the second one and they could have really won the third one but then instead they helped the tigers build a, a championship core and then i got too many tabs open Miles straw uh just dominant not only did he lead all center fielders um with 24 good fielding plays i'm not sure what that means but seven outfield uh arms run saved and he led all major league outfielders uh, with 385 total chances compiling a 995 fielding percentage and he led all center fielders uh most defensive run saved among center fielders and led the al all outfielders with 12 assists you don't see a lot of center fielders typically who lead the league in assists am i wrong in that i can't recall it being a center fielder leading the league it's typically like left fielder right oh feel like more Who's like left field. field. Yeah, left yeah. field, right well, field. Well, right field's where you put your best arm, so yeah. Arm, and then left field sometimes has, like, the easier play. Like, Michael Brantley. Remember all the times he, like, was the assist king just because the advantage of the position? Yeah. So, it, yeah, center field, it speaks to, again, you know, uh, it's sacrilegious for some for me to say this, but, like, he's he's om- early Omar Vizquel on the field. Not, nothing outside of it. Just on the field, the defensive level that he brings in the lack of offense makes him uh, something 
like what Omar did those early years. Is there uh, another Cleveland rookie who won the Gold Glove Award? I, th- I mean, going through it, they didn't mention anyone, right? Uh, I don't see it. I'm just curious yeah. if maybe you knew off the top of your so head. So I think, I think it's a no. I think, you know, uh, Quan is the first to do that. Because I feel like if there had been, they would have said since so-and-so. But I also feel like, I don't know, this is maybe being a 41-year-old. Like, for the longest time in my life, I grew up just wanting to see them win any awards. Like, you know, I'd be like, the last MVP was still, what, Al Rosen? The last, you know, for most of my life, Gaylord Perry was the only Cy Young until CeCe Sabathia. We never got the big awards here. You never got to have that. Ex- I, I can remember sitting there in my high school economics class. We had a computer in the back of the room that no one used because this is the 90s. And, like, we got online to, like, refresh to see if, if Bell was going to win the uh, the MVP and then just being angry about Bovon. Uh, you know, just a different era because I'm an old man. But, you know, it's things like that. So I, even the gold glove would have been something to cherish and get excited for. And I don't recall a lot of winners uh, outside of, like, when you had Roberto, when you had Omar and Lofton in his day. Grissom might have won the year he was here, but... I can't remember too many other guys and Fryman, of course, as well. But yeah, it's uh, Grissom, know, it's just, did Grissom did not win the year he was oh, here. Matt yeah. Williams did not know it was Matt Williams did the one year he was Matt here. Williams did, yeah. I'm turned into Travis Fryman, so they had some pretty good back to back third baseman, yeah, defensively. Uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, it, it's interesting to look at, and it's it's some hardware, right? It's always nice to see, and I feel like. You know, I know we need to go to our first break here. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it always feels like the gold glove carries a little more cachet than the silver slugger. Even though we like offense more, doesn't there feel like people like the gold glove gets more attention? Yeah, I guess because it's well, Louisville's slugger is the is the spot. Yeah, this is Rawlings. Yeah, I don't know. I guess Rawlings just goes back further. Like silver slugger, the first silver slugger for Cleveland. I don't know when yet that that war was introduced, but first one was Andre Thornton in 84. So this one, this one has more history to it, I guess is probably why. Well, I think we've, we covered it again. uh, Thank you to the Cleveland guardians and Bart who did a a fantastic write-up. I took everything from that because he had it all covered there. No reason to go any deeper than that. Um, You know, that's not how you judge pitching. Like, yeah. Pitcher defensive, uh, pitcher defensive award. He finished second in the league and put outs and fourth with three defensive run saves. I guess that. So that's all yeah. the information they provided. But I feel like like pickoff should be included in that. I'm not sure. Mm. Uh, people might be interested to know that on in the email too. He notes this that the Gold Glove awards are tabulated from votes by respectively coaches and managers. So that makes up 75 percent of the voting. And then the rest of it is uh, fielding statistical data from the Sabre community. So, um, Wasn't it all statistical all stuff in uh, 2020 when Cesar won? Wasn't that year the year that was all like just like – Yeah, I think they did because because they couldn't ask anybody outside of who you played to vote. Yeah. So um, that's an interesting balance. I wonder what how it would look if they balanced things 50-50. Um, yeah. For those who are not, you know – statistical friendly or don't like that kind of stuff. Um, just so you know, Sabre is S-A-B-R. It's the Society of American Baseball Research. It's not 
a sabermetric thing. It's Society of American Baseball Research. They do more than just stats, just so everybody knows. That's not a before you sit there and you know pound your phone or you throw your headphones about the stats. No, uh, you know, we, like I said, we, we like to have fun with it. We know that we are stats people and that there are other people who are definitely not, but I think this actually makes a perfect point to take our first break here. We're going to come back and talk about the greatness of Jose Ramirez. You know, it was an off year for a lot of reasons and he still performed well. And we're going to talk about where he stands historically in Cleveland guardians history. And we'll also later on the show, get into the kind of lack of, uh, third base prospects and system. There are a few names to know, but it's definitely a position that is a position of weakness on today's Locked On Guardians. But first, quick message about Roan. Listen, if you want to look nice, feel nice, smell nice, you want to go with Roan. Remember when, I'm sorry, total brain, uh, brain, brain uh, issue there. Here's the thing with Ron. They are going to, it is a comfortable shirt. We know what dress shirts are like. We know that I hate them personally. I have never liked dressing up. I always try to do the bare minimum. Uh, But when you got a shirt like the ones Roan make, you won't mind dressing up. And what's nice is it's not a shirt that is just meant to look good, which it does. It's also meant to, to work with you. It's a shirt that you can begin your day in the office and end your day on the links It is a wrinkle-free shirt that you can just sit there and pull on and the wrinkles disappear. And hey, if you're going to have a busy day in the office, if you are going to have a busy day on the course, uh, it's got anti-odor technology, which we all need, right? If you're spending a lot of time indoors, you will be thankful for the Gold Fusion anti-odor technology, keeping you smelling fresh and clean all day long. And on top of that, normally you get a fancy shirt. What's the one thing it says? It says you got to take it to the dry cleaner. Not with Roan. Throw that thing in the washer, and it will be ready to go the next day. If this appeals to you, and why wouldn't it? It's a fantastic shirt that looks good, feels good, and keeps you smelling good. Then you want to go get the commuter shirt to get you through your workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com backslash locked on and use the promo code locked on to save 20% off your entire order. Not just for one shirt, all of your shirts. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com backslash locked on and use the code locked on it's time to find your corner office comfort with roan.com so this jose ramirez person from what i understand is pretty solid right he's all right yeah i think they call him the goat that sounds right the right nickname uh is it because he'll eat anything he'll eat pitchers and Stolen fastballs. Yeah, he eats fastballs and has been known to to feast on on uh, catchers or pitchers pick up. I don't know bases. Yeah, it's uh, Mario coins. Yeah, he. You know, he is an unreal talent, and it is again kind of the thing where I think you look at. He was up for gold glove, didn't win. He was the one guy who was nominated, didn't win. And, you know, understandably, it's understandable why he didn't win. Not to, like, you know, talk negatively about him, but it was a very hard competition uh, at that third base spot. I mean, Matt Chapman didn't even win, and he's been kind of like the the best defensive third baseman in baseball for half a decade. 
So when you talk about what he presents, it, it's just, it is the perfect example of why like prospect lists are fun and they are fantastic. But whenever any remember, like everyone got so mad about this time of year ago, like, Hey, you realize the guardians traded Clevenger and they traded Lindor and Carrasco and didn't get one top 100 prospect. And it's like the argument that was, yes. I mean, that came up, but the point is like, Jose was never a top 100. Pro- he wasn't even the most famous Jose Ramirez when he was in the minors. That was a Yankees pitcher. He was the other Jose Ramirez for large points of his career. He skipped high A to go to double A. Now, why did he skip high A was because the organization really believed in him. No, it's because, I mean, they did believe in him. I don't want it to make it sound the other way. A great he, story. Skipped, he skipped high A because uh, Lindor was going to high A. And they still wanted him to play shortstop, but they wanted, you know, they believed in him as a shortstop. They didn't want him to repeat a level, but they also didn't want to mess with Lindor's development. At least that was the story I heard. So there's, he got pushed more up. Than that. Yeah, there's okay. more. I mean, if you want to give more, I mean, all I have was that, you know, they wanted, they wanted to challenge him, that they thought that he could benefit from the challenge. They also, he wasn't the priority. Yeah. I, I don't see, I, I, I don't know if that was necessarily true. Um, I don't think they knew what his upside was at that point, but I do remember hearing a tale of, and I, I don't know if this is hundred percent true, but I do remember there being a tale of a conversation between the team and Jose and his agent and said, I, I, you know, pushing him to go to double a, like saying, I can, I can play in double a now I can play with these guys. I can, you know, I don't need to be playing in high a and essentially him and his agent argued for him to skip high a. And that played into it as well. I think, I don't know. Again, I, that's my memory of, of conversations that took place. This was back in 2013. And then 2013, as we remember, he was called up uh, down the stretch. Yeah, it was he mostly a runner, Lonnie, right? Yeah, he, well, he, he was playing some games over Lonnie Chisnall. He started, uh, he played in 15 games and he accumulated 14 plate appearances. So he wasn't playing a ton, but there were a couple of games where he started third base over Lonnie Chisenhall. And um, at that point, he was really not a third baseman in the minors. His So he played third base like, I don't know, five, ten times in the minors, and then he came up into Cleveland and played third base his first year, played a little bit of shortstop, but um, he was not really much of a third baseman. Not, not, I shouldn't say much, but he was not um, exposed to third base a lot coming up in the minors. And remember, he didn't really start playing third base in the majors until, what, halfway through 2016 when they finally decided to say adios to Juan Uribe? To, you know, his buddy. I mean, Juan, I, I always, so was anyone else remember? It's like the Juan, Juan Uribe, Jose Ramirez story was identical to the Orlando Cabrera, Estrubo Cabrera story. Like it's the exact same story of this older vet who came in and like talked to them about what to do with their swing. And then all of a sudden they found power. Like it was this exact same story uh, in both situations. So I don't know. That's one of those things. Again, comment if you remember the similarities between those narratives when they popped up. Uh you know, he, so let's just put it out on Front Street when we're talking about the review of this year. First month and a half of the year, he was, he would be a one seed candidate for MVP if he kept that up. But he broke his thumb and tore some ligaments and played the whole rest of the year and was an average player. Uh, at the end of the day, he was pretty much from the time that injury happened, he was a league average guy. He seemed to change as he he was as a hitter. He was chasing a lot more, doing a lot of different things. We're not going to debate, 
you know, what choice was the right choice, but it's something you have to mention uh, just because it's definitely a tale of pre and post injury. Uh, he was, like I said, he was on his way to a career year before that injury. Um, so what you're uh, saying is that Jose Ramirez with nine good fingers as is good with almost anybody else in baseball with 10 as, as the, and it's not just baseball with 10 nine, nine good fingers. It's like nine good fingers and a crap ton of pain. Cause it's like, it's not yeah. just that that finger isn't there. It's that everything you do, I think I've shown it before. Like I, I broke my thumb and you know, okay. So it doesn't bend And everything you do with this hand. When you break it, I was, I was playing third base, by the way, got ran over. That's how, how mine uh, got busted. Uh, someone decided to take out the third baseman. I like, it was a catcher. I still don't know what the kid was thinking to this day, but since I was holding the ball in the hand, whatever, I didn't break my thumb and it doesn't bend. And I, everything I did hurt. So I can say from personal, and I didn't do ligament damage. I can't imagine. He had to be getting cortisone shots. He had to be doing like, if nothing else, it just speaks to his toughness. I can't, it's uh, he, I mean, I was just a teenager. So I, you know, maybe I, I wasn't as good of dealing with pain, but you could you move your hand wrong and it hurts. I, I don't know how he did it. I, I just have to be honest. It's I don't know how he did that, what he did this year. Not the first time he's done. Remember in twenty nineteen, handmade bone. Yeah, he had the handmade issue. Yeah. He was gone from August, like August and late August into mid September, and he came back. And the minor league season was over, and he had he couldn't so he couldn't go rehab because he couldn't. There was nowhere to go for him to rehab. And his first at bat back off the, off the uh, disabled list was a grand slam, I think off the white Sox in Chicago. And it's like, wow. And that handmade is known to, to take your power away. That was the crazy thing. And yeah. he, he had multiple. That injury hurts. Yeah. That, that is a very painful injury. And there's again, nothing that can be done. Like that's just, you got to give it time to heal. Cause it's like a little bone, right? It's just like a little side hand bone thing. It's yeah. He's, he's tough. Let's just, Jose yeah. Ramirez tough. Like that's for you can say many things about him that might be at the top of it. Why if don't there was we, toughness on baseball savant? He would be in the hundred percentile. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and he would be up there for quirkiness and power speed combo, in my opinion. Uh, and swagger. And swagger. That's for sure. Um, let's take our break here and come back and then talk about where he stands historically. Uh, we don't get to keep a lot of great players in Cleveland. Let's be honest about that. We have seen in my lifetime, most of them have gone. So let's get into seeing where Jose could stand with what we decide six more years left on this deal. So we're going to take our next break, come back and talk about the historical numbers. Also talk about, you know, what might make you feel good or nervous about a player entering their thirties on today's lockdown guardians. And we are back. So should we start with some of the historical spots or do you want to talk about some of the age related comps? Um, let's start with historical and then you, you go take us back to uh, where he stacks up with history. And then I'll, uh, I'll take us to where, how we might see him hold up over the life of the contract. Sounds good. So he is currently ninth all time in war. Uh, this is baseball references war. I'm using baseball reference because I have a better like historical tool base. Uh, I don't necessarily love their war data collection method as much of others. So I'm just going to put that out there as well. But he is three or 2.9 behind Larry Doby. Uh, 
that's he should get there this year. He has been good for about three to four most years. Uh, if he can get 5.7 this year and get up to a 46, he'll pass Joe Sewell as well to be right behind Tommy and Lofton. Uh, offensive war, he's a little, he is also ninth, uh, 1.3 behind Lofton, so he's getting close there. Um, just in terms of defensive war, he's in the 20s. It's not always as interesting, but on-base percentage is one of those that can change, you know, as a guy plays longer into their career. Uh, he's surprisingly 50th in on-base percentage all time. Now, I think some of that might just be, listen, he had a really bad sophomore slump. So that affects some of that stuff. So let's go back into just games played. How about twenty uh, second all time? He's got uh, Bill Wamsgam. Can't say his name. Uh, ahead of him, then Bobby Avila, then Andre Thornton, who you talked about. If he plays, uh, if he played one hundred and fifty games this year, he would jump up to that'd be two eighty seven. He would pass Kenny Lofton, and he'd be right behind Carlos Santana, his former teammate uh, in that. Uh, spot um, hits always a good one to talk about uh, he passed Jason Kipnis that was the last player he passed he's at a 1155 hits next up Brooke Jacoby I said Brooke I know I had a habit of saying Brooks and I blame that on a childhood of saying Brooks Let's see his lowest hit season you know, let's give him 150 if he gets 150 hits this year that would get him up to what 1305 1305 would move him into 13th all-time, passing Julio Franco, Carlos Santana, Michael Brantley, Larry Doby, put him right behind Jim Tomey on the all-time list. Uh, let's see, home runs. He's 10th. 10th all-time on that list already. And if he were to hit 30, he's got a 192. He's tied with Al Rosen right now. 30 would give him 222, and that would put him 5th all-time. He'd be four behind Earl uh, Avril, and he would pass Carlos Santana, Hal Trotsky, Larry Doby, Andre Thornton, and Travis Hafner on that listing. Uh, runs batted in, I don't do. Um, base on balls, he's you know he, he's had his fair share of walks. He's twentieth. Uh, he is not ranked in strikeouts because of the hitter he is. Uh, stolen bases, he's seventh between Harry Bay and Elmer Flick. Uh, let's see. I Who's the leader there? Is that, is that Kenny Lofton? Is he the leader? I believe that's Kenny Lofton. Yeah, it's, it's Lofton dominates. He's got 452. Number two is Omar Vizquel at 279. Uh, so let's see. He stole uh, 20 bases this year. If he does another 20. Oh, is this? Yeah, this is updated. So if he steals 20 this year, he'll still be seventh. He's got to get up to 270. He needs to steal 34 bases to move into sixth. And then after that, it goes Flick, Ray Chapman, Nap Lajoie, Terry Turner, Omar Vizquel, Kenny Lofton. So it's, it's a hard list where he is to move up in that one. Um, I was going to see if there's, you know, I think if you just want to do total bases, he's 16th on that list, um, right behind Travis Hafner. And he's got a chance to, let's see, a typical Jose Ramirez total base season is about 300. So if he gets another 300 total bases next year, uh, that would move him into second all time. That can't be. Oh, no, I'm looking at the wrong number. That explains that. It's like, wait a second. How is he jumping that much? Uh, total bases, he is 14th. 
He passed Manny Ramirez. Another 300 this year would move him up to ninth all-time, passing Carlos Santana, Kenny Lofton, Larry Domi, Omar Vizcal, and Charlie Jamison. Uh, like I said, I'm not going to do runs bad at him. But, yeah, basically from what you're hearing is he is – if he's not in the top 10 already, he is just outside and will move in at the end of this year. And, I mean, he's the greatest third baseman in Guardians history. Like I did my all-time team two years ago during – the COVID season, and we talked about, like, in terms of war, they've had a lot of good players um, at third base, like Terry Turner and Bill Bradley. Um, I was trying to remember if I, I I should go back and fix it before I get yelled at because I said his name wrong because uh, it's not, you know, Ken Keltner was another one, but uh, oh, where is he? Uh, Hal, I said his, uh, Trosky. Trotsky. Trotsky. Like, Trotsky. Is it is it pronounced Trotsky? I feel like I got yelled at for using the pronunciation like the Russian dictator last time. Uh, I think I've heard it Hal Trotsky before, yeah. Okay. So I was just trying to avoid it, but uh, maybe I'm right. Uh, but yeah, no, basically, like I said, they've had some good third baseman. He's the greatest and he's got a chance to be you know, a Mount Rushmore player for this franchise with the way he's going. Uh, offensively, it's you know, it, you're your cream of the crop in this Cleveland organization when you're looking at leaderboards, it's it's Nap Lajaway, it's Trist Speaker, it's Lou Boudreaux, it's Earl Avril, it's Jim Tomey, and then it's Kenny Lofton. It's like those six are kind of the big players uh, in most categories. You know, if we just want to do war, it's it's Lajaway, Speaker, Boudreaux, Avril, Lofton, Tomey. So yeah, it, it, he's, you know, he's got to get up into that grouping. And in terms of war to get there, he needs like 12 more war, which he should be able to get over the life of his contract. You would think so. I mean, an average <laughs> an average uh, season war wise for Jose at this point is, uh, is 5.7. Um, I you know, obviously things are going to be interesting as he ages. Um, could go between, I don't know. I think four, like he's had a couple, this is by, this is by baseball reference war, just because when you're talking about like Hall of Fame and um, like you said, statistical data, they have a better database for it. So we use that um, in this term, but he's mostly been between five, six and seven last couple of years um, outside of obviously the COVID year. And then 2019 where he had that second half or that first half slump before he got it together. Um, but if you if you imagine he's going to be like a five six win player for the next like kind of three seasons, you know that's that's fifteen more wins above replacement in theory for Baseball Reference. I mean, like I said, his average is five and a half is five point seven. Um, you know, that takes him to, to fifteen right there, and honestly, that might get him close to Hall of Fame level because um, Baseball Reference also has a good a good database for this as well. So the average career war uh, on baseball reference for a third baseman is 68.4. He is at 40.3. So if you add 15 to that, he is at 50, 55. Um, we just said maybe, you know, he averages five wins a year for the next three years. That's 15, right? And there's there's a chance he could be better than that. That's just uh, what he's averaged in his career. Let's say he has a couple six-win seasons, and, and that's 18, um, he's only, he's, I know he's got to get 28. That's a, that's a long way to go. 28. I think if he gets into the sixties, I think he's got a case. Um, he's already close on his seven year peak, uh, which is 37 and a half, the seven year peak average for a 
Hall of Fame third baseman right now is 43. So he's close. He's close. Um, he's already surpassed um, War 162 for Jaws, which is 5.7. Um, and this is all looking at Jaws, by the way, which I believe is Jay Jaffe's. Um, yeah. So that's Jay, Jay Jaffe's. Uh, Correct. I, I was nodding my head for the, yeah. for the audio listeners. Yeah. And Jaws is uh, the average third baseman. Um, in Jaws is 55.7, and he's at 38.9. So, I mean, we're talking, we have six more years of Jose Ramirez on this contract. Um, If he averages four wins over those six years, that's 24 wins above replacement. Um, You know, and that's that's probably baking in some regression, right? I know there are people losing their minds because we've gone, like, full stat nerd, but, like, the thing with Jose is you have to go full stat nerd. This isn't, like, a case where we can sit back and talk about, like, his big game performances because unfortunately it's like there haven't been as many opportunities for him and he hasn't had that big kind of like market to show. And it's not to say he was bad in the postseason. I'm not saying that at all, but you know, this isn't like, you know, I go back to thinking about something like Jack Morris where like that was always the defense. Derek, yeah. Derek Jeter. It's like, he doesn't have that. So you have to lean into the numbers and the numbers support him. I think the biggest problem for him statistically with those numbers is like, you know, he, he, at age 23 essentially is when he became the full-time player and he had kind of the, the ups and downs before. And it's just how much, how much do you think he can stay at that level is my question. To you. Right. Yeah. No, like I said, I mean, I think so far, like I said, his average wins above replacement for baseball reference so far has been 5.7. Like I said, if he averages four wins a year over the life of the contract from here on out, I mean, he was six this year. Um, I think if you bake in if you bake in some regression, like maybe he gets another seven win year, like I think there's no doubt he would have had a seven win season in 2020. Uh, what is that? I don't know what that extrapolated is. Two and a half over six, over 58 games. I mean that's uh, so it's a third. So two and a half would be seven and a half. So that's another seven win season. If that thumb is healthy this year, I think we can say he's definitely going to at least win. accumulate another win. Yeah. Uh, a seven, a seven and a half one season. So I think if a healthy Jose Ramirez, that's going to be the question is health over the next uh, six years of that contract. But I think it's fair to say, even with some regression and age-based regression, like a four averaging four wins a year over the last six years, that deal, when you balance the term of it, I think is, is a, it, you know, everything's with health. I think there's a chance. And the other reason you have to use these numbers too, is because like, Jose Ramirez is not going to hit 500 home runs in his career. Like I know for, for hitters, the, one of those things is like 500 homers or hit 300 or 3000 hits. Jose is not going to reach 3000 hits. He's at one, one, five, five. He's not going to get to 3000 probably Uh, at 192 home runs. He's not going to get to 500, to be honest. I don't think it's going to happen. And uh, he's, I mean, batting average is probably, I don't know how much we'll consider that. Let's see. Jose's got six years left in his deal. We're talking like a 15 years from now, you know, <laughs> for his Hall of Fame candidacy. So, I, don't, I mean, who knows what batting average will look like by then. But I think um, if he gets like 300 homers and 300 steals over his career, I mean, there are guys with much worse numbers in the Hall of Fame. And third base is a pretty low bar to clear because there's not a lot of third basemen in the Hall of Fame. So, um, that's, And then the other thing is people are, you know, always – it's like – He's what a three so three time silver slugger, four time all star. It's like 
you know, it, he won a gold glove. Uh, has Rising. he? I don't think he, I don't think he's won a gold glove. No, he has not. Yeah, so he's got that. You know, it's like I finished second in the MVP in the the plague year, two third place finishes. Like we've seen more value of late be placed on like top five finishes instead of winning overall. But hopefully, I mean, that was one of the most uh, asinine statements. And you know, that's not a swear word when you say it that way. I heard against Jim Tomey was like lack of all star games. It's like, oh yeah, like, give yeah. me a break. Like, you know, it's for for Ramirez. The whole body of work should be like he's a complete player and there's going to be statistical data to back that up. Listen, we think he's a hall of fame level player, but what do they have in system? Yeah. I mean, that's a good thing. They signed him to that extension, right? Cause we'd be looking at Nolan Jones at third base. That was up for debate for a while. That Gabby might go there just due to arm. Yeah. I mean, you could put Ari's third base. There's no doubt he can handle it. Um, yeah. I mean, that was the big reason why Nolan Jones played third base all of 2021. I remember myself included saying, you know, why isn't Jones playing more outfield? Why is he playing first base? And it was because they had to keep him at third because they just didn't know what was going to happen with Jose Ramirez. So Nolan Jones could have been the future third baseman. Um, yeah, the rest of the system is is pretty light. So it's a good thing they did what they did with him. And he, he was willing to take an undermarket deal to stay. Um, the best prospect for me in the system at third base is Gabby Rodriguez at this point, if you don't want to include Arias. Um, you brought up before we started recording that Gabby Arias or Gabby, Gabby Rodriguez um, had one of the higher, what's the highest signing bonus? Highest signing bonus for any bat. Uh, it kind of depends. Like, you know, to get into the weeds a little, it's like, if you look at some of the pitchers like Danny Baez, I think those technically count. Um, so those are higher, but he is the high, 2.1 million was the highest bonus they have ever given, given to a hitter in the international yeah. market. So 2018 for him was the year he was signed and he, had not performed well in any of his seasons to, to date uh, until 2022 as a 20-year-old in high A with a uh, 112 WRC plus and um, pretty solid strikeout rate. Walk rate was good. Um, showed some power. Great, great glove at third base. I was super impressed with this glove at third base in his arm. So I, I really think he rebuilt a lot of his value. I know there were some questions in 2021 about his conditioning. I think after the COVID year, he came back and there was some worry about the uh, shape he might have been in. And he just had a very poor year in low A at, at age 19, which, you know, you're coming off the COVID year. You're 19 years old. This is your first full season, uh, or first taste of full season ball. Um, a lot could happen. So that's, it was fair to give him a mulligan for 2021. And he showed why in 2022. He's a very solid player. The concern now is the shoulder. He had shoulder surgery this offseason. And it sounds like it's up in the air whether or not he'll start the season on time. He may not. So um, he's a Rule Five eligible player. If a team really likes him, sometimes those injuries make it easier yeah. to cash. It'd still be weird. Let's be honest. It would be. I think unlikely. the odds are pretty min- minimal there. But I would say the odds are very minimal of Noel as well. So, you know, I. Yeah. No, I mean, I know some people want to count Noel at third base. I got to say. John Kenzano can't play third base. I watched him at Lake County last year. He he struggled at third base. I think there's a reason they moved him to the outfield. I mean, obviously the Jose Ramirez contract, but he was playing third base in Lake County. You know, when 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 in the regular season after that contract was signed. So uh, John Kenzano was not that experiment was got not good. He has the arm, no doubt, but the the hands and the range at third base, just the reactions, just weren't good. Uh, outfield went much better for him. So I would say third base is not in John Kenzano's future. 
other than those two guys at third base. Uh, well, I mean, if you look at the prospects on the fringe at Fangraphs when they did their midseason, they mentioned Diane Frias, who I know wasn't great in A ball, but man, he tore up the complex league uh, a year ago. I like him a little bit. He can play some defense. He's got an interesting approach at the plate. Um, you know, probably maybe a late bloomer a little bit. Yeah, that's that's really about it. I mean, David Fry can play third base. I have heard reports that his defense at third base is actually um, pretty decent for a guy who is a utility player and a corner utility player at that. So, um, yeah, it, it's you know, you know, you and I have both talked about how we want David Fry in the forty man roster, yeah, um, just for the versatility alone and how that can stretch your roster a little bit further. But yeah, I think Gabby Rodriguez. And after that, it's it's Diane Frias after that, and, and David Fry is mixed in there somewhere. That's it. And I, That's really I it. don't know if you, any of those players, you know, we talk about our top 30 prospects, too, like in fairness. No. Too. It's a good system, so. Yeah, that's and that's the other thing. That's that's the caveat. Like, uh, there, it's a it's a fantastic system. Uh, and, and the you depth. Can move any of the shortstops at third base. And we talked about you can move Arias to third yeah. base. Uh, Jose Tana can handle third, I think. Milan Tolentino could handle third, I think. Yeah. H.O. Martinez could probably handle third. Rocchio Valdez. Yeah, yeah, Valdez. Any of those guys, defensively anyway. None yeah. of them have bat for third base, but yeah. Well, you know, we, we went long, but hey, we had history and defense, and we have history in terms of the player we talked about. So, you know, it seemed like a perfect day to go a little long. Uh, let's, I think it's a perfect time to wrap it up here. Uh, thank you for listening. Again, hey, rate and review. That really helps the show grow. They say all reviews are good reviews, so go do have your worst or your best at it on iTunes. And then, uh, you know, subscribe on YouTube. Please, please, please. That last 179 would be huge if I'm just putting cards on the table. Uh, when you hit to 1K, we actually benefit from it. Right now, we get nothing from YouTube it's it, at all until it gets to 1K. Outside of fantastic conversations and interactions with everyone out there. Um, but if you're enjoying that, it's the simple thing to go subscribe. So I just beg of that again and end the show the way we always do. Go, go, Guardians, go.